Do you get deja vu and what does it feel like for you? I do get deja vu, not often, but usually it happens when I'm having a conversation with a person and I feel like I've had this conversation with you before, like this exact thing that we're talking about, this exact topic while we're doing whatever it is that we're doing um, happened earlier today, actually, <laughs> while we were setting up for this. Um, but yeah, it's not often that it happens that there's a glitch in the matrix, but it does happen and it, it just feels familiar. It just feels like we've done this already. And then it just makes me think, hmm, is this real life? Or is this a replay of something that's already, is my, is my life real? <laughs> what is, are, am I just, am I watching my life through someone else's eyes and just replaying it? It just kind of, it's just funny. It just makes me feel like, hmm, maybe things are, I don't know, already predetermined and I'm just kind of watching it as opposed to making decisions as it goes through. I don't know. <laughs> All right. If you redesigned society, what would you change? Can't nobody have kids unless they get a permanent license. And every single person who adopts, fosters, or biologically has a baby automatically has a CPS case opened. Every single child has an automatic CPS case open because we don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> we don't know if you're abusive or not. Just because you had a child biologically doesn't mean you're fit parents. So the permit is for biologically giving birth to a child. The license is for parenting the child. You, I mean, like we make people get licenses to drive, right? We make people get licenses so they can buy alcohol, but any Tom, Dick, or Harry can go out there and just create a whole human life and raise it as if it's like the thing to do, you know? And if nobody calls to be like, hey, some shit's going on over there at my neighbor's house, like that kid could be in life-threatening danger. So I'm personally, I'm an antenatalist. I'm not interested in birthing children of my own. I think that we should be taking way better care of the kids that are already on this planet before we start making new ones. And we just hit 8 billion people, I think in the past two weeks, didn't we? We just hit 8 billion, a couple billion too many. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. But yeah, um, also voting would be uh, mandatory you have to vote and it is a federal holiday and you get paid time off to vote obviously gerrymandering out the window obviously all the cheating that the conservatives do out the window <laughs> uh we don't really do that stuff uh we do gerrymander sometimes but we get caught but yeah no just um make it fair just make it fair and stop making stupid decisions that's just a couple of them i could go on about this for an hour but i'm not going to okay uh, what impresses you? What impresses me? Skills and talents that I don't have. Well, skills and talents that I do have that are better than mine impresses me, but also generally someone who's really, really skilled at something that I can't do impresses me. So people who play instruments and like understand what notes are and stuff like that. People who can sing really, really well people who can draw really well, paint really well, things that just don't come to me naturally uh, impress me. Also, people who are a lot more empathetic than I am and people who, I wouldn't, I, I'm not gonna go as far as to say forgiving, 
because I think that being too forgiving is a flaw, actually, <laughs> and not something that I aspire to be. But people who are able to get past their past and move on and actually like be okay impresses me. Okay. Um, have you ever asked a guy out on a date? I have asked a guy out on a date. Um, I think he said no. I don't remember. <laughs> it was so long ago. It's probably like high school or something like that or college. Yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> it's not much to say other than that. How do you feel about the idea that some people think the female orgasm is mm -hmm. a myth? Mm. <laughs> oh, God. I feel bad for the people who think that. And I also feel bad for the people who have to deal with the people who think that. <laughs> um, it's not a myth. It's a real thing. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's bad for everyone. It's bad for everyone all around. If you think it's a myth, it's bad for you. And it's bad for all of your partners, too. It's just bad. Stop it. Learn some stuff. Take a class. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, if you could choose, would you have chosen to be born a girl or a guy? If I could have chosen, I would have been born a male every time. I don't know how many times I've been around this block, but I know that when it is a choice, um, it, the easier road is always male. Pretty much at every point in history, it is always male. <laughs> um, but I think I chose female because females tend to be ignored and left alone to their own devices to be able to do all this internal work that I've had to do to just get get things going and get the ideas in my brain so I can get them out people don't pay attention as much when you're a woman when you're when you're doing that kind of internal work and they tend to kind of poke at you when you're a dude and they expect you to say things and understand things and get things out quicker so and I understand why I picked this body but um yeah it's still dumb <laughs> being a female is just like a bad choice all around no matter what era you're born in that's that what's your favorite thing about being a woman nope i got nothing <laughs> my favorite thing about being a woman would probably be being able to wear makeup because i can hide my flaws if I was a man, yeah, I mean, it's true. <laughs> like, if I was a man, it would be, like, a whole thing for me to, like, wear makeup. I mean, it's le less so now, but still, you know, it would, there a lot of assumptions would be made about me if I were a man who wore makeup. But, yeah, I get to, I get to lie to you for a long time about what I look like. <laughs> and I appreciate being able to do that because it's different under here. It's the whole thing. <laughs> and most of you will never see it. So that's that. Well, I guess you kind of already answered this one. What's your least favorite thing about being a woman? <laughs> I haven't answered this. Yeah. My least favorite thing about being a woman is the constant threat of rape and murder. That's it. <laughs> uh, it sucks <laughs> over here on this side. So, uh, muzzle. <laughs> what do you think about mindfulness? Mindfulness is very important. I think it's helpful in just about any situation in life, being mindful of 
where you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it, and understanding the motivations behind the kind of life you're living. Um, even when it comes, something's just as simple as like eating, eating food. Whenever, you know, someone is trying to get control over what they're eating and how they're eating and what they're putting in their body and how it makes them feel, you're always told like, well, be mindful, eat mindfully. What are you, why are you eating this cookie or this cake? Or what are you actually trying to get from it? And it could be like, oh, well, I'm looking for something that clearly this piece of cake can't give me. But <laughs> what it can't give me is like a hit of dopamine or whatever, right? But what I really want is satisfaction. What I really want is comfort. What I really want is to feel safe. That piece of cake can't give you that, right? So you can still eat that piece of cake, but when you're being mindful of it, you know I'm eating this piece of cake because I want this piece of cake, not because I'm looking for something it could never give me. Um, something as simple as that it can help you shape your life in a different way. The same thing with relationships. Why are you with that person who can't ever give you what you want? <laughs> who can't ever be the person that you want? Who can't give you comfort? Who can't give you love? Who can't give you all these things that you need? But you still go to that person. It's the same thing. You're looking for something that that thing can't give you or that person can't give you or that experience can't give you. And then you start to make decisions that are better for you and say, well, this experience can give me those feelings. Changing the way I look at myself and the way I look at my surroundings in the world can give me those things that I'm looking for, satisfaction, what, fulfillment, whatever it is, um, comfort, safety, security, all those things, love, abundance, all those things. Mindfulness is such a key part of changing your foundation and how you go about your life and how you interact with the world that it seems too simple to actually be effective, but because it will change the way you interact with yourself and with everything and everyone else, it can completely change the trajectory of your life. So be mindful even in the smallest of moments. Do you think we'd be better off without social media? Do I think we'd be better off without social media the way it is being run now? Yes. Do I think we'd be better off without social media if it were more controlled and it were less about engaging with negative emotions and just getting viewership at any cost and pleasing the advertising gods? Yes. Like, that's not helpful for, for humanity. But if we were able to say, okay, we're going to regulate it, we're not going to just go straight for negative emotion because that's what gets engagement. We're not just going to please the advertisers. We're going to actually treat this as if it's something that affects humanity in a negative way, potentially, and do things to mitigate that. Then I think it would be fine, but that's not the way it's run. It's run by the advertising gods. So the way it's the way it is now. Yeah, I think we'd be better off, but as long as there's money in it, it's going to be the way it is. Do you believe in karma? I do believe in karma. Karma implies past lives and reincarnation, potentially. I do think that sometimes karma doesn't happen within that person's lifetime. So always expecting someone who was bad or toxic to get their comeuppance within that lifetime, like it doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes people just like fail up their whole lives and are terrible and just get everything. And that's the way it is. But I do think that karma does come back around 
um, if you live enough lives. Yeah. What do you think about the current younger generation? I think Gen Z is going to change the world for the better. I think Gen Z ha has grown up with the internet, has grown up only knowing like social, social media has been a part of what has raised them the same way that like for millennials and for Gen, I don't know about, about for Gen, for Gen X, but at least for millennials, television helped raise us, right? So the internet and social media has helped raise Gen Z. I think that they're way more aware and woke, as they say, and I think that they're going to be the driving force to change the way the world runs. Gen Alpha, on the other hand, I'm not sure what's going to happen with like the 12 year olds <laughs> and the six year olds who are being raised. I, I really don't know where life was going to go with them. I, I, I'm not sure, but I think that, I think that there's been some major changes in the zeitgeist of like how we operate in the world with Gen Z. And I'm, I'm happy about that. Millennials, unfortunately, my people are the ones who are like no days off. Uh, work until you die. Sleep is the cousin of death, as Jay Z said. Like, you know what I mean? Like that. Like that was our generation, and we were dead fucking wrong. <laughs> like, Gen, Gen Z were the ones who were like, um, self care, maybe like a little bit, mental health. Uh, you know, every once in a while. So I, you know, they they got some things right where we got it wrong. Do you think bullies see themselves as bullies? No, bullies more often than not see themselves as victims. Bullies very rarely see themselves as bullies because if you could, if you could see yourself exactly as you were, exactly as other people saw you, most people wouldn't continue that behavior. So it's almost impossible for someone to engage in that kind of abusive behavior while correctly seeing themselves the way they actually are. In order for someone to do that, you'd have to have some kind of serious issue. You'd have to have some serious megalomaniac, acute narcissism, antisocial personalities, personality disorder, sociopathy, psychopathy. You'd have to have something seriously wrong with your psychology in order to continue that kind of behavior if you saw yourself the way everyone else sees you. So no. That's why a lot of people use the term cry bully, someone who bullies people. And then when someone calls them out for their bullying behavior, go, I'm the victim. What are you talking about? I'm the one who everyone should be concerned about. It's not Gabby again. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, no, bullies, uh, bullies have a warped sense of reality. You have to in order to behave the way you do. What's one thing you believe in that's kind of weird? Oh, like all the esoteric spiritual stuff. I believe in angels and ghosts and the other side and the paranormal and the blah, 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 and the stuff you can't see and yada, yada and psychics. And I believe in all that stuff. So it's not one thing. It's a whole bunch of stuff. It's a whole bunch of either hooey, fooey, Huey, Dewey, Hocus Pocus, Huey, <laughs> Louie, all that stuff. Um, or it's like, yeah, no, I, I had an experience. Like, you'll be surprised. Some people, you just, you know, open up that conversation and be like, hey, you ever, you ever had a, you have a little, you have a little experience? And I'll tell you, like, actually, like, this one time, like, my grandma, my grandma who'd been dead for, like, six months was just, like, walking around my house. I was like, hey, grandma, 
be like, oh, shit, you ever told anybody that? They're like, no, because I don't want people to think I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> but, like, trust me, there's someone in your life who has a story. Ask ask people. They have a story. Everyone has a story. What is your love language? My love language is our physical touch and quality time. Both of those are very important to me. I'm very much so a vibes kind of person. I want you to spend time with me and be focused on whatever it is that we're doing, even if we're doing nothing, like be focused on that. Don't be on your phone. Don't be like paying attention to other things, whatever. Just be like in the moment with me. Physical touch is also very important to me. I'm very much so a like, I'm a, I'm a big gesture kind of person, but I'm also like a little touch kind of person. Like if we're going by each other, like I'll put like my hand like around you or like on your shoulder or on your waist or something like that as I'm going by. That's important to me and it would be nice to get that reciprocated. Those are the two most important ones. It's not to say that the other ones don't matter to me because they do. Words of affirmation are important acts of service, especially now that I have my whole condition. Acts of service actually mean a lot to me to to do the things that are harder for me to do physically because of my condition um, mean a lot more to me than they would have, let's say, 10 years ago. But the two main ones remain the same, physical touch and quality time. How do you describe commitment and how do you describe freedom? The way I describe commitment is the willingness to hear the other person out when you feel like you've been slighted. The willingness to take a step back and say, okay, I've, I feel negatively about something that happened, but I'm going to let the other person tell me their perspective on what happened and give them a chance. Commitment it's hard because I try to draw such a hard stance about like what I accept and what I don't in a relationship. And it can make me seem wishy-washy about my relationships. And it can make me seem like I'm not loyal and I'm not committed in my relationships because I have these deal breakers. But having those deal breakers doesn't mean that I'm not committed to those relationships. It just means that I have enough like self-respect and I have enough interest in my relationships being healthy that I'm willing to walk away when they're not. And I think that that can be kind of confused, like loyalty and commitment and being able to say when a relationship isn't working for you anymore and cutting it off before it can like take you down with it, like going down with the ship. So commitment to me means, okay, something happened. I don't feel great about it. I'm going to let the other person let me know their side of it and hear them out and not just block them out and go, oh, no, you, you crossed me and we're done. Freedom to me means I can be myself and not feel like I'm walking on eggshells around you. Particularly when I have had alcohol in me. I like, I'm a talker. I like to talk. I like to sing. I'm a social butterfly. I like to go around the room and see how everybody's doing and vibe with people. And if I feel like I can't do that because it makes you feel a certain kind of way, me doing that, it makes me feel like I'm being watched. And I don't like the feeling of having eyes on me and judging me. And like, if I, if I say that 
like this is what we're doing and I'm with you and like that's what it is and I can talk have a conversation with another person and it's not a big deal I can do other things and collaborate with other people and it's not a big deal so freedom for me is allowing me to be myself you don't really allow me to be myself that's, but you know you are okay with me being myself and appreciate that part of my personality as opposed to like tolerating it and just kind of like oh she gets like that when she's drunk she just talks to people like what it's like but that that's a part of who I am I want you to appreciate that I that I like to extend myself and and be gracious and and okay with other people when I'm inebriated <laughs> as opposed to just being like ah, well you know I just deal with it how do you react when you're upset? My initial response to being upset is usually um, to pause. It's usually like, okay, hold on. So, something's, gone, something's wrong. Something's gone wrong. Let me take a step back from what's happening and just kind of objectively look at the situation and figure out what's going wrong and how I can fix it. I tend to do that because when people like dive in as soon as they feel like something's gone wrong it tends to like make the situation worse <laughs> so I tend to pull back and go oh no this is I'm too close to this I'm getting all these kinds of feelings let me pull back and, and figure out what's actually happening here and then try to find a solution if that doesn't work <laughs> and I'm still upset after that then I start to process my feelings and under and try to understand why I feel the way I feel, but also still try to find a solution. Like the whole point is to find a solution to the issue if there is one. So I'm always looking to try to find a solution to the problem. If the problem is that there's just something going on and it's out of my control and I can't fix it, um, I may have a meltdown. I, I I may I may have a rant <laughs> or two, <laughs> um, but I will always try to find a solution before those two things come up. If you had a partner who gained a lot of weight, would you stay with them? <laughs> Trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> if I had a partner who gained a lot of weight, would I stay with them? So the assumption here is that the weight that they gained is fat, not muscle necessarily. I guess that would be correct, yeah. Okay. In either situation, I'm attracted to the body type I'm attracted to. The issue is not whether or not I would stay with them. The issue is whether or not I would continue to be attracted to them. I have a particular type, body type, that I am attracted to. So if a person gained a whole lot of weight in fat or a whole lot of weight in muscle, that would change my attraction to them. So it's more of a question of like, what are they willing to do to be what I think is attractive? And it's, you know, no different than like, am I attractive to them? They're, you know, everyone has their parameters. Certain people's parameters are like really wide and some people are really narrow. Mine tend to be more on the narrow side. I have a particular body type that I'm more attracted to. I'm more attracted to men that have a toned body. It doesn't have to be big and bulky and like John Cena <laughs> right? or like the rock. Like that's not necessarily like what I'm attracted to, but
but I would pref I prefer men who are more toned and have more muscle tone, but they could be cut. They could be like Bruce Lee cut, you know, it's small, but still cut. So it's not like when I leave them, no, but we would have to like get on the same page about the attraction level because that might change and we'd have to like figure that part out. But yeah. What do you think leads people to cheat in relationships? Well, this is a great last question <laughs> for Power Hour. This is uh, the last one. So what leads people to cheat? Cheating is a choice. There are plenty of opportunities to talk to your partner about whatever it is that is a problem in your relationship that is leading you to want to be with someone else. And you have so many opportunities to bring it up and talk about it and figure it out. But when you cheat, you're just, you're taking that power out of your relationship and you're taking your partner's free will and empowerment out of the relationship and out of saying, okay, I've chosen to be with you. You've taken that away from them and you're deciding to go and do your own thing and try to figure out whatever problems you have with another person. It's like, you can't ever fix a relationship with one person by like going to another person <laughs> you have to right you have to like figure out your relationship with that person like with that person you know you might need to get a, a professional involved like a like a counselor and i'm a huge proponent of counseling just in general everybody needs a therapist even if things are going great in your life relationship therapy is awesome especially when things are going good because you need to know why they're going good when they're going good it's you know, relationship counseling is not just for when things are going bad. They could be so far gone at that point that it just doesn't work. You need to figure out what works when it's working. But people cheat because they choose to. They choose to not communicate. They choose to not be honest about how they feel. They choose to not um, figure out who they are and what it is they want in life. A lot of cheating is just like, I don't know what I want. I don't know who I am. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to go there. And it's just this like trying to like grasp at straws to figure out like how you want to feel. Um, and it, you know, it, it just destroys relationships. It, it destroys you as a person. It can destroy your children if you have them. It can just impact so many things. Before you do that, try and answer those questions. Who am I? Why am I in this relationship? What do I want out of life? What do I want out of this relationship? Am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with my partner? Do I feel like I can really trust my partner with all of my inner thoughts and feelings? There's so many questions you need to answer before you decide to just go like, talk to someone else or screw someone else. But yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice you shouldn't make. <laughs>